you know? Yeah. So for me, because of my job, I was testing uh, twice monthly initially. So every two weeks. Oh. So from about March last year all the way down to when I got back, no, whatever it was. Actually, even earlier than that, from like December last year or November, um, October of 2020 up till March of 2021, I was testing once every two weeks because I was going to campus and that was the mandate at that time. And then once we got vaccinated, we were only required to test once a month. So as far as I know, I have never tested positive throughout the time, but yeah. I could have had it and not know. Yeah, yeah. Stuff goes through your body and you may not even have any symptoms. You know? Yeah, I know a lot of people that got COVID that didn't even know they had it. A lot of people, like, they were like, they were like, hey, they told me I, they told me I have COVID. <laughs> I feel great. <laughs> You know, and I'm just like, hey, you know, it's crazy, man. It's just, and then there's some people that, you know, got it and were hospitalized and damn near had them on, you know, ventilator. So it just, I don't even know, man. Don't yeah. Know. So my uncle had it. Uncle Ben had it. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, uncle Ben had Nigeria. it. He had it. It was really bad. And then uh, he just had it again. Um, about a week and a half, two weeks ago or so. Wow. And he was, he was fine. Omicron. Yeah. And he's fully vaccinated and boosted too. But I think maybe yeah. that has something to do with it. But they say Omicron is just not as bad as the other. No, it's like the common cold, man. It's just, it's crazy. So it makes me wonder why, you know, you know, we're still on, we're on lockdown, we're on like 50% lockdown up here, man. Because, because the one thing about the virus, it hasn't been about how sick you get mainly. I mean, that matters too, but it's been about how many people come to the hospital and keeping the hospital beds taken. Yeah. And so once we have too many people coming into the hospital, then the healthcare system becomes overwhelmed. That's the biggest issue with COVID. This is why we get locked down is obviously we don't want to spread it so we don't get something that might kill people but mainly is we want to make sure we stop the spread and if it gets it slows the spread that's the main thing is even the vaccine that's the main job is slowing the spread as yeah. opposed to preventing the contact with, and the slowing of the spread is to just help our healthcare people because they get overwhelmed yeah, they don't want to overwhelm the healthcare system i get it man anyway right, with other diseases can't get treated and you have a cut you might die like back yeah. in 1792 and stuff yeah anyway look uh afghan man ah you know, i got I, one of my boys is from cameroon i sent him a message tonight i was like yo you guys spent some money on those stadiums and, and you and you know they've put together a really good tournament so far um I think the game, what game was I watching? Um, it was the North African team yesterday. Morocco, no. Ghana. I was in Morocco, Ghana. No. We played yesterday. It was in Egypt. Egypt was with, against Nigeria yesterday. Nigeria. I think it was Morocco. There's only, there's only four of them. I said, I said it was Morocco. Algeria, yeah. Sierra Leone. That's who played before us. Yeah, no, it was, I think it was Morocco, Ghana. Morocco, and Ghana was two days the pitch, ago. The pitch looked fine. But when they zoomed in, you saw patches and it was the first game of the group right so around the goalie area typically the grass eats up at that point right but i was watching and i was thinking to myself why is the grass eating up when this is the first game of the group you know and the games are spread out in different locations right so you're thinking they haven't really played any game in this particular stadium so why is the, um, grass eating up? the morocco ghana game was that the first game of the day or the, it was the second game of the yeah. day so typically what's happening is that they play two um, games in one stadium yeah on the same day so but i don't know if the first game was in that group I, i'm not i can't recall but yeah they typically play two games a day typically now occasionally they name actually no so the way the the tournament schedule is kind of funny so it, it rotates. It'll be two games one day, then four games the next day, then three mm -hmm. games, three games, and then at, and by that time they completed all the groups, and then it becomes, uh, then it goes back to that same format again. So one, so basically what's happening is on the first day, especially when Cameroon plays in Group A, and Group A plays, mm -hmm. then the next day will be Group B and Group C, and then after that it becomes Group D and one of Group E, and the yeah. other Group E, and then Group F completes, and once yeah. Group F completes then um you know we're done yeah no it was uh it was interesting because i was like okay you know um 
you know, the grass shouldn't be eaten up. Even if they've played a game there before, if you put like real nice Bermuda grass in that Cameroonian climate, you know, um, so the stadiums were outstanding. But in certain games, just watch when they zoom into the grass, you, you, you see that it's not, because typically, you know, in football games, the grass is meant to be a certain amount high, and it's meant to be is meant when even when they zoom in, you'll see it's like a carpet. It's cut well, and I think they could have still done better. But you know, stadiums though. I remember watching the first game, and all I kept seeing was, "Wow, it's an amazing stadium." They spent money on that stadium. Uh, Hijo Stadium or which yeah, one? Yeah, the, 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 the first the, the, the game Cameroon played. Um, right. Yeah, and. and I think the most disappointing game for me so far was I thought Burkina Faso should have won. Um, really? Against I thought, Cameroon? I thought they I thought nah, they, I didn't think they should have no, no, Here's the thing, though. They started out phenomenal. Phenomenal. They scored that well, goal. 90 minutes now. Yeah, but you know what? They scored the goal. Then I think they just kind of self-destructed. And that's what bothers me the most because I was watching the game. I was even tweeting about it and I was saying all – Burkina Faso needs to do is stay disciplined at the back and they have the tools to counter and they could end up winning this game. But to stay disciplined at the back was such a big problem. You know, even for Traore, which I didn't expect, he ended up giving up that first penalty. And then Cameroon came back in the game and then they got a second penalty and I was just like, but you watch Cameroon, you know, I wasn't wasn't really impressed with I wasn't really impressed with all the things that they were doing. You know what I'm saying? So um, they could have done more. Well, you know, I mean, the one thing it was, it wasn't... It's, first, it's first game, so I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get too high or too low on anything that happened in that first game, where, whether it be a lack loss of performance from Algeria or from Cameroon or from whoever it was, or even a great performance from Nigeria, which, quite frankly, has been the the outstanding performance of the tournament so far. That's been the one game where you looked at and okay, this was quality we saw. Um, the games have been boring to me for the most part. A lot of them have really? been. Yeah, I mean, they have been exciting. There's been very little excited. I saw a couple of the minnows play today. I think it was Gambia versus Mauritania. Actually, oh, yeah, but by, by the way, I was watching the Mali game. I saw the first half. I couldn't catch the second. Did they win that game? Mali ended up winning. They scored on a penalty kick and then um, – uh, who did they play in Tunisia? They missed yeah, the penalty. Yeah, they missed yeah. one penalty. But that game descended into a farce. That game was a complete farce. I, I, you saw, I don't know if you saw the message that was sent by one of our friends, Bidemi, where he um, I mean, alluded to the fact that the referee stopped the match at 80, in, on the 80, in the 85th minute. And so the Tunisians got very upset. They yeah. were very upset. And the referee looked very perplexed. So he said, oh, okay. Then he brought them back in and said, okay, come back and let's play. Whoa. I think they came back minutes and so then he stopped the game at 8946. <laughs> and that was it. So the Tunisians were like, wait a minute, first of all, it's not 90 minutes. Second second of all, what about that time that what where's the extra time? The additional what, what, what was he doing? Well, I don't know. And this referee is not like some backyard referee. This was Africa's only representative in the World Cup last year. Wow. 2018. So this is supposed to be one of the top referees that we have, and that. So now this is basically it's it, the tournament has descended into a farce based on this incident because it's being reported worldwide. It's being shown. I don't know yeah, that's that's not something that happens. That's not a typical occurrence. In it. You know, it's not like oh, it kind of happened. No, you're the referee. You have a special type of timer. You don't yeah, mess so- up. The duration of the game. <laughs> any so any referee. They asked the Tunisians to come back out and complete the game, and they declined. Yeah. So in in essence, you can already see that there's some sort of. And so you were saying that the tournament's been going great so far. I don't think the product on the field is that great, but again, it also might just be the first first game blues. This is why I mean I say you know these tournaments being held in January like this, we're now seeing some of the effects because. Hardly any of these teams have had a chance to really cap fully. A lot of the guys, if you think about Nigeria, a lot of their guys were showing up the day before the match. Uh, one of them anyway showed up the day before the match. A couple showed up during the week of the match. Nigeria didn't play any friendly matches. 
you know. No, we played, we played, we played, we played, I think, one or two. Uh, okay, against Tottenham Sport. Okay, so we didn't play any friendly match of note. No, we didn't. <laughs> so I guess I, I can't I can't dispute a pooper the one match. It was a nice little bit. Preparations were kind of shoddy, honestly. You know, um, and it wasn't just Nigeria. The whole bunch of other teams were COVID effects. Teams don't have full squads. They don't know. Even Burkina Faso were complaining because 24 hours before the match, a couple of the key players tested positive, and they were complaining that some of the procedures weren't really followed. Yeah. Testing, and they felt like it was kind of sleight of hand on the part of Cameroon to uh, exclude some of their best players from playing against them. So there are these little complaints, and then something of tragic of tragic proportions happened. I don't know if it was yesterday or today, but I read it today where uh, three Algerian journalists got stabbed in a robbery outside of their hotel. So, I mean, these are the negative reports. And generally speaking, every tournament has these incidences. It doesn't matter where it's held in the world, but it's something outside that happens, whether it's recorded or not. But typically what happens is the play on the field overshadows everything. And right now, if you go Google AFCON, I can guarantee you the top thing that you'll see is, number one, this referee situation today, and number two will be 0-0-1-0. That's it. That's been the whole – that's been all the scores save for the first game. Yeah, it so right now, it complains that, nah, the tournament is kind of hasn't really kicked into high gear. But I think personally it's mainly because teams haven't had a chance to really blood themselves and blend together. And so we're seeing these performances where the defenses seem to be. Yeah. And, and I think it's open up because now some teams are behind, some teams have drawn. There's pressure to win games. They're going to come out now and play a little bit more. You know, you see the game open up more. So there's going to be more goals. You're going to see a, a more competitive tournament starting from this second game egypt is going to play the next game like their life depended on it you know and that could actually work against them depending on whether or not were they playing uh guinea bissau it's yeah. not going to work against them it'll work for them yeah it'll work for them guinea bissau is not really but you know what i'm saying like if 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 they were playing a team that could capitalize on counters they could be in trouble you know but then you know look uh what you call it morocco that game against Ghana, if you want to talk about officiating, I thought that referee was horrendous. I thought he was terrible. I mean, I was watching the game, and there were so many calls he could have made. Didn't make them. It seemed like it seemed like he was on the payroll of Morocco, to be honest with you. You know, and uh, what's his name? You saw uh, Andrea Yu end up getting a gash on his head. Yeah. You know, and, and he had been complaining to the ref all game. Like, Listen, these guys are grabbing me, fouling me. You're not even calling free kicks. It was crazy. I was watching mm-hmm. the game, you know. Um, but you know, everyone's talking about the upset with Algeria. Eh, they didn't do anything in that game. Yeah, they. they I mean, yeah, they, they, they created some chances. But I actually want to give credit to Sierra Leone more than talking about. I think Algeria played. They didn't play that. You know, obviously, the first game of this first game again. But a lot of those guys were in the Arab Cup too. So you know, maybe you don't want to have that excuse. But um, Sierra Leone played really well, especially the addition of Stephen Culker in the defense. Woody was the man of the match in that game. He's impervious, just blocking everything. And they played like their lives depended on it. And that was a win for them. 0-0 against the defending champions for Lowly Sierra Leone. They will take that game back. Yeah, it's a confidence booster. Um, And the funniest thing is if they continue to do well in this tournament, you know, if we win our group, we'll end up playing either the runners-up or third-place team in that group. Oh, I did not know that. I haven't even yeah, looked at yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So our group, our group well, I mean, matches. No matter, if we win our group, no matter who we're supposed to play, we'll be able to win. Yeah. I just don't want – speaking about Nigeria, I just don't want uh, the Nigerian team to get too big-headed. You know what I mean? Um, they played a game where they really look like super eagles. You know, Ehenacho. That's what I have to say, man. That was, that was He was a man in that game. So, you know, um, you play Sudan or you play Guinea-Bissau, it's not Egypt. You know how our guys get, man. They could just take their foot off the gas, come out there. Next thing you know, we're a goal down in the game. You know, now they're chasing the game. Yeah, I've seen it before. You know, they're like, oh, Sudan, they'll come out there, start doing no-look passes, flicks. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying, man. 
you know, and, and that's why I was kind of not too upset that we didn't score more than that one goal. Because if we're yeah. beating Egypt by 2-0, 3-0, which that performance yesterday was well worth If we're beating them 2-3-0, it wouldn't have flattered us at all because that's how good a performance it was, you know, needs to say. But in a way, I'm kind of happy that at least, you know, a coach still has stuff that he can talk about and say we need to work on this, improve on this. But I, I'll be honest with you, Egypt's, they were flat and disappointing, actually. They didn't offer anything, which tells me that Sudan is not going to be like that. Sudan, Sudan, it's not in their nature to just sit back and try to defend. I don't think they even know how to do that. They have quick, quick interplay that they have. And all you have to do is go back to AFCON 2015, I believe, the qualification where we were pitted against it with them, South Africa, and uh, Congo, I believe. And we lost to Sudan in Sudan. And we beat them 3-1 in Abuja, but we lost in Sudan 1-0 with a star-studded team. And we were badly outplayed. It wasn't like 1-0, there was a smash and grab. Those guys remind me of the Ethiopians in the way they play, but they actually have a little more bite than the Ethiopians. They seem to have a little more strength. They play the ball on the ground, very quick movement. They rely on a lot of the guys that play in Champions League. African Champions League. They do. So a lot they of those, have those team, teams, Almeric, and uh, what's the name of the other team in East Sudan? They compete every year. Right. They're always in it, and they draw a majority of their players on the national team from those teams. So they have experience on the continent. Now, the pedigree is definitely not up to this you know, level of us. But if we if we think that we're just going to show up and line up and then we're guaranteed a victory, we're going to look again. Those guys, they, put, they pose a danger. In fact, this is probably the most dangerous game right after playing against Egypt the way we did because uh, our boys will certainly be on the high. Mm-hmm. We know who we are. We know we've seen this a thousand and more times where they take their foot off the gas and start thinking they've already won the tournament and or they've arrived. And hopefully, Igor Vaughn is able to um, stop this from happening. So let far, me, let me let me let me make a prediction in that game. Taiwawuni gives them hell. That's the prediction I make. Because if there's anything I noticed about that boy in that Egypt game, he gave <laughs> Egypt problems. <laughs> and his physicality, his presence, his pressing on the ball, those Egyptians weren't ready for it. He gave them so many problems that they ended up leaving a hen at your open. You know, and that's why he was able to bury goals and get so much space because. This guy was bullying him. He was physical in there. They weren't ready for it. I swear to you. And I know yes. Sudan. Sudan is definitely not going to be ready for that guy. And watching that game, yo, he was hungry. That boy is hungry. You know what I mean? I was watching. I was impressed. To me. But what? Well, as much as I want, he excelled. And then the other thing that gives him a little leg up, too, is that he has a very good understanding of the and the And, um... Because Kim and Kalechi, obviously, without saying, played together in under-17 and under-20 uh, level. But under-17, their connection was magical. They're boys. Magical. They're boys. You know what yeah, I mean? So boys, yeah. They understand each other very well. And that it's it's a natural connection. You could see it. It's just the interplay was just natural. There. It was there. Yeah. Now, having said that, man, <clears throat> one can't help but imagine if Victor Osiman was, oh, was the one horizon that, Jesus, if he was there, oh, man. It's guaranteed that we're going to destroy it. First of all, you see what Egypt tried to do. They tried to like just just stop, just stop the flanks. They, that was their whole. They knew the speed. They knew the speed was going to devastate them. So they said, "Listen, let's as shut down." As soon the as, especially Chukweze or Moses Simon got the ball, they doubled them immediately. But this is why Chukweze didn't quite adapt. He needed to that much. But Ajala showed up. And um, the thing about it is that it's, he started out, I don't know if you remember, he started out by dribbling the starting right back and causing him to blow out his knee Wow! in the first 10 minutes. And that was the, that, that's, that was the announcing the intent. <laughs> and from that point, I mean, they brought in the next guy, the next guy, I beg you, no reach. Simple as that. Just you know, each that 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 guy will be seeing Moses Simon in sleep since last night. <laughs> and even when they try, oh. the only thing I'll say, and this is, that's the thing, I, I do like that there are things that you still need to improve on. 
because Moses Simon's crosses just about all but the one that maybe led to the goal were all terrible crosses. So after doing great work uh, beating his man on the flank and coming open, his crosses were horrible. So yeah. hopefully maybe that's something they can work on or talk about. But also like Chukweze yesterday, I think a lot of people were saying he didn't have to be but I actually back to David. What I was watching from Chukweze was a mature performance where all of a sudden it felt like the roles flip-flopped. Gernot Raw always had Moses Simon being primarily, he was a defensive right. Yeah, left he, he, he's almost like he played wing back, correct. Sometimes it's just ridiculous. He just was the a defender. Chukweze was now playing that role a little bit more yesterday. He was mm -hmm. dropping back. Supporting Olai now, and you see, I now will get ahead of him, even in bombs raids, and so that's why we didn't see enough of him. And and then where where probably he would have really really shown is in that second half where all of a sudden we were playing a counter attacking style because obviously Egypt were coming coming at us, yeah. but a couple of in situations where I think the midfielders could have released uh, Samu, they didn't quite pick him out. But quite frankly. <laughs> Out of everyone that played yesterday, he was the only one that I'll give a level that was below the level of the team. And mainly maybe because he played instructions or it just wouldn't it really do what Simon did on the left side. And he he's gonna get better, we know that. See? No, no. Chuko is remember he was hurt for a while though. So he he's just coming back into his own. The kid is a beast, man. I mean it's um Joe Aribo also impressed the piss out of me. He man in that midfield. I, I'm talking about Egypt was neutralized. It's almost it was almost like they didn't exist in the midfield. You saw it. Him and Indidi, those two, those two guys, damn. I don't care. Listen, I, this might be me getting ahead of myself. But if those guys show up in any game, I don't care which country we play. I'm serious, man. They they we all know what Indidi can do. We know and on his day he'll play with anyone in this world. Anyone. Mm -hmm. And Aribo, I believe he's coming into his own. You know, yes. the way he played so, that game. Joe Aribo. So, in fact, you know, um, there's no way we can have this conversation today about Super Eagles without referencing you're not raw. In my opinion, I wanted to move past that and say, okay, we're, we're done with him. But it's important to actually see because we've been, I mean, anyone who's followed this podcast and listened in the last three or so podcast understands the frustration that we've been having with the style of play of the Super Eagles and our just fed upness with the coach. And a lot of times people say, or maybe you're just being, um, you're not being realistic or you're not being fair. But I think, and then again, it's just one game. So we can't just draw long lasting conclusions from one game. But a lot of the things you see people complaining about, you're not raw, came to the fore yesterday. And I'll start my first one is Moses Simon for for years now, almost two years, actually more than that. We'll say going back to AFCON 2019, Super Eagles fans have been asking, what the heck is wrong with Moses Simon? This guy is leading the assist uh, charts in Ligue 1, his player of the year for his team in Nantes. And when he comes to the Super Eagles, he plays, he just can't, he can't do anything. He doesn't deliver offensively. Yes, he does a yeoman's job defensively. That's not what his main responsibility is. So we can now clearly see that he was being shackled by a coach. I, I listened to the uh, post-game interview from Coach Iguaron yesterday, and one of the things that, that stood out to me was he told the boys, Nigeria, we're an offensive football-playing country. Go out there and attack. Play free. Play, enjoy your game and be yourself. And you, I mean, come on now. If you watched the game yesterday, you saw that. And what was yeah, I complaining yeah. about the most? The energy, the passion. The guys don't play like they care. And yesterday, you couldn't say that. That was, to me, even if it was a 1 1 draw that game ended in yesterday, I would still would have been very satisfied because it was an act where I saw the capabilities of the Eagles being realized. Each individual player played like we expect them to play, like the quality that they supposedly have. Anyways, that's one. Second, Joaribo. Rock, he's playing him in the back as a defensive midfielder when in Scotland, all the raves about him are because he's a box-to-box -box midfielder and he plays closer to the goal and shines. Matter of fact, when he played his first two matches with Nigeria against Ukraine and Brazil, that's exactly where he played him. That's why he popped up and scored goals. 
in his first two matches. All of a sudden, Roar is playing him out of position. And we can see when you play him in position, you can see how good he is. Now, he's savage. Course, savage. Yeah. Of course. One will also say, okay, he's probably acclimatized to the African game a little bit more now because that's without a doubt was his best showing in Af on the African continent, you know, inside of the continent playing matches, which thing I don't know how many matches he's played now on the qualifiers that we've been playing since 2020. But his first two games were those friendlies between Ukraine and Brazil, and he was amazing. You know, but after that, he's playing every match inside the continent. He's been below par every single match, and mm -hmm. except for yesterday, you know. So that those, those two were like immediate, immediate. Oh, uh, then the third one for me is Olaina. Guy couldn't even get on the field when Raw was there. They were playing guys like Shehu and. You know, and the question is, you know, Shehu couldn't come for this tournament, right? So yeah. the question is, uh, if he had come in, would Olaina have started? It doesn't matter. The, the, the point is, we see Olaina now, we see how good. I mean, dude, the guy. Oh, he's solid. Not only was he bombing forward, he was excellent defensively. Yeah, yeah. He was excellent defensively. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, there, there are concerns and talks about the fact that he does lose concentration. And he's not a great on-ball defender. But that's not what I saw yesterday. But more oh, importantly... Oh, by man, the way, I mean, Musa didn't play. <laughs> if Raw was there, do you think Musa wouldn't have played? Oh, he would have played. 100%. Would have played. That's what he I'm saying. And that's... In that, first, and the other thing, too, our first substitution was in the 70, in the 70th minute. One yeah. may argue that the subs came in and the level dropped a little bit. You know, yes, whatever. Sadiq Umar, I expected a little bit more from him, though, because he's good. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to really say too much about him because this was his debut for the national team. And you're debuting in a tournament. That's rare. And hardly anyone does that. Most people debut in a friendly match yeah. or maybe even in a qualifier, which is a little less high stake than actually playing in game one of AFCON against Egypt, you know, which is... You know, that's fair, nice fair, fair points, fair points, yeah. fair points. Yeah. So, but then I think someone needs to actually tell him to play to strengths. So one of the times I saw him try to flick the ball right around just past the central circle, and outrun the Egyptian defense. And the the guy outran him, yeah. Well, yeah. Sadiq, that's not your game. He's not. So yeah. Someone needs to tell him play your game. You know, and yeah, first game jitters. But then the other part, he plays in Division Two in Spain. You know, he plays in Division Two in Spain. So I've always said this. You are you are what you, you compete against. Exactly. So yeah, your level of competition. Day in day. The saying is you are what your record says you are. Yeah. Whatever level you're in. So correct. If you're a pro boxer and all you fight is ducks, you, you fight if you, when you get in front of the real deal, you, you'll probably get knocked out. Yeah, I don't know, you know why. So if I had to, if I had some beef with the composition of our lineup, it's the fact that Dessers is not there. Dessers should have been in the squad. But from what you know, again, one doesn't really know because you hear all kinds of reasons as to why people couldn't come. The clubs are releasing guys here and there, blah blah blah. But apparently, supposedly, Raw never picked Dessers in the sporting man squad. Tyrone Bohe made it too, right? He's he's on the bench, yeah. Yeah, he was a replacement. Yeah, yeah. An injury. I, I, I liked him before he got hurt. Um, last last qualifying yeah. series. Um, yeah. You know, so we'll see if he comes in. It's interesting. You know, I started thinking about all the players that didn't come, and all the potential players, and I was like, we are stacked, except in at the back. Yeah. What? Because I started thinking Emmanuel Dennis, Osimen. They clear Demola Lukman. You Are know, they they're working on it. They say it's going to be cleared. I, I saw an interview with Pinnick saying it's just a matter of time. It's man, you really believe it? I don't don't believe anything Pinnick says, man. <laughs> Pinnick, Pinnick, Pinnick is the next guy. So once we gotten Raw out, Pinnick out. But there's nothing. Well, Pinnick, Pinnick is already out because he can't he can't run again. So he's going to FIFA as an executive committee member. Yeah, you but know? you know how it is, man. He'll bring so, he'll handpick the next person, and so yeah. really he's still in there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, he's already picked his next guy. It's just a matter of uh, procedure for the guy to get in, convince all the state FAs to vote for him, and he's going to be in. Which is I, I think negative about us winning the way we did yesterday is now all of a sudden they're going to think that the haphazardness of how they did everything 
well, look, it worked. And so now it gives them more of a reason to repeat this kind of behavior again. Honestly, one of the reasons I want us to go all the way with Eguavon and looking at Yobo on the bench and all these guys is because the last time we won it, a Nigerian coach was at the helm. And if we pull it off, and even if they've hired this Portuguese guy, right, he's going to come in. It's just a done deal. Because so, supposedly he's in the stands watching these games. But if Eguavon wins, they said he's going to remain on as a technical director anyways. But if he wins, you know, um, which he can do because Eguavon's specialty is defense, is making sure you're solid at the back because that's, that's what he played. So if he, if he does that, these Super Eagles teams, we are so talented in midfield and forward positions that if we are disciplined at the back, I swear to you, I'm not kidding, we'll beat anybody. It, that's all we need to do. Stay disciplined at the back, and this team will, will soar. So I think yeah. I actually want Aguavon to pull it off because if Aguavon can pull it off, it makes you know NFF heads and a lot of people in Nigeria sit back and go, yo, we don't really need to buy this whole, you know, white man's ice is cold or bullshit, man. Like, end of the day, we have guys here that could do it. Guys who've played for the Super Eagles, who've played in Europe, who have European certifications, who who can compete and coach against the best. We have those guys, you know. Yeah, um, I've been very impressed with Edouard Vaughn in terms of his calmness. Because he came, he came into a situation that's almost a no-win situation. But I think what helps him, man, and I'm starting to see something, man, is so, again, just going back to Gernot Raw, right? Gernot Raw, I think his biggest undoing was he never really understood the Nigerian mentality or the Nigerian, like, the Nigerian you think mentality. So? No, no, he never understood. The Nigerian mentality when it comes to football is we don't care who you are. We think we're going to beat you. Yeah. We don't. We don't care where you are. We think we, we think we're gonna be. We're gonna be playing Brazil, and we're we expect them like, to win. We expect them to win. Yeah, yeah. We expect yeah. them to win. And and Raw came in with a different. The attitude he came in with eventually seeped in. I think I, I don't know what. I'm not sure what happened between the initial. I think maybe initially we were so low that we were willing to listen to anybody tell us anything, and we were willing to get out of. And we and he brought in all these young hungry kids. But the Nigerian mentality is to attack. Attack, never give up. Don't ever, no matter what the odds, we're going to fight till the very end. And Gunnar Raw, if you, you know, that one of the problems that people used to have with him was his interviews where he gave way too much respect to the other team. Respect the other team, but he always made it seem like we weren't good enough, right? And we're still, we're still coming up. We, we're not there yet, right? Now, Here's the interesting thing. He's working for some uh, station right now as a pundit for this AFCON. I don't know if you heard about this, but before yesterday's match, did you hear about what he said? No, what did he say? Uh, Gennard Ross said Nigeria shouldn't expect, can't pretend like they're as good as teams like Egypt, Algeria, Morocco, wow. because we don't have players playing in AC Milan, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United, Man City. So he doesn't expect, he doesn't, ex he expected basically, basically saying we need to accept that we're not as good as those countries. Can you imagine? Wow. So dumb. this is what he's saying. So this, this is him saying this while still getting paid by us, literally, right? Because we're paid him. And so you can imagine that's what he really thinks. And how is that going to translate to him when he's coaching? That's damning, man. And and you can see, I mean, at the end, you saw the way the team was playing. The team was not playing. And all the team was listless at the end. There was no pattern. Yesterday, there was a pattern. Did you not see a pattern to our play yesterday? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. uh, defenders, when we got the ball, we knew what we were doing. Even guys like Truce Ekong, guys like Omero were springing attacks very coherently. We knew where we wanted to get the ball to immediately. You know, on the wings, let's get it to, let's get to Simon, let's get it to Kukwese, let's get it to them, let's get it to um, Leche in the middle. You know, playing guys where they're used to playing at. 
great, 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 great tactical formation yesterday. Just, no, you know, and, 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 and honestly, if Ejuke brought his shooting shoes on, that game ends up 3-0. Mm -hmm. And, and it, even, you even see at the end, and when you look at the post-game interview, so he, like, well, Vaughn, good job yesterday. And we, there's more to see, obviously, for me to be, to rate him completely. But he said, when Ejuke came in, we know he plays better from the left. We know that's where he's best at. But we couldn't possibly take Simon out. <laughs> so we had to put him on the right. That's what he said? That's what he said. Hey, man, just that, just, you know, I felt comfortable with that. I was because I, HK doesn't play from the right, really. And, you know, Raw played him maybe sparingly, but played him in the middle. But that's, he's like, we had no option but to put him on the right because there was and, no and, way we were taking Simon out. And, and yo, I'll say this, man. Playing that kid in, in the middle is a huge disservice. He has so much pace. Did you see the time he broke and he was with the ball? This Egyptian player was chasing him without the ball, couldn't catch him. This kid was gone. And then he cut in and took the shot. That's the ball the goalkeeper saved. Right, he, he should have passed that ball. To Iwobi. Because yeah, Iwobi ran behind him. And if he had given that ball to, that would have been goal number two. Yeah, but, and so um, that's the thing about Ijuke. And I think this is why I'm happy that it's fine. You need players like that. He's a wild card, unpredictable, right? Yeah, but you but need a, a tournament like this will blend in with the team a little more. Because when you play one game here or two games here in November, and then you go play in Russia for a month and a half, and then you come back, and you don't really. But now in that camp, I guarantee you, they'll be going over that and be like, "Oh boy, what's it now?" In practice, mm -hmm. lift your head up. Boy. Lift your head up. Yeah. Think about passing. Think past. Mm -hmm. Think past. And when time comes, you go shoot. Goals will come. And he, you, he's our wild card. Don't be surprised if he starts the next match. And you know what? There, there was something that you and I discussed when they appointed uh, Eguavon, was that he's surrounded by a lot of former Super Eagles players. Okocha, um, Yubo. Yeah. And I, you and I were like, how is that going to work? And, but I can see how their advice can help him. You see what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> so, well, time will tell, though. But Pinnick might come out looking like... <laughs> I hope Pinnick understands that he needs to stay like out of the way. Like a genius on this one. What? I hope he understands that he needs to stay out of the way. Just let, let these guys get the credit and the glory. Please just... No, he's going, he's, he's going to take some of the shine, man. Because I already saw a yeah. video of him addressing the players, I think it was post-game or before the game, in the locker room. <laughs> These guys are not to stay out of the way, yeah. man. But, let but the, the problem there is that... Um, and see, since while we were playing Egypt yesterday, there's something that I, I, I remember from what, our very last conversation when we were previewing or uh, discussing the World Cup um, qualifiers that will take place in March. And you mentioned that, and we, that this is when Roy was a coach, and I was saying, I don't think we're going to qualify. If this if this guy's our coach, there's no way we're qualifying. Right, Roy? And you said, eh, but my Jack, once we play against those big teams, they're going to stand up and rise up. And to me, I feel like that, that statement got vindicated yesterday because we were playing a big team and we dominated. Oh, we dominated that game. Dude, dude, dude. At the end of the first half, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I was like, you bastards better come out and do that same thing as the second half. That's what I was thinking to myself. I was like, the way you guys dominated that first half, yo. If you, if you never heard about Mohamed Salah in your life and you watched that game, right, you would not know who he is. You would say he's an average player at best. Yeah. That's what he yeah. looked like. He barely touched the ball. Every time he touched the ball, they just took it from him like he was, like, like he was a kid with candy. They just took the ball from him. He couldn't do anything, nothing. Hey, so, Doc. So that's the difference between Raw and Iguavon. When you look at when you look at uh, players, right? If we were to rank starting 11, 1 through eleven, so obviously most a lot. There's no no one's gonna compare any of So that that's a wash. And maybe I'll give the goalkeeper and maybe one or two defenders, one or two. But don't. And maybe the center backs. Maybe I'll just give just be. I don't even know how great this, but I know our center backs are not the greatest. 
Other than that, every other player on our team is better than every other player on their team. No, oh, hands down. Hands down. In every position. Whether hands the, down. the second best player in terms of um profile is El Nanny, even though it doesn't play. And Didi. Completely outclasses him. You know? So I think Raw was always teaching our players that, oh, we're not yet there, we're not good. And I think you could see them playing like that. Whereas now you like Rob Owens probably telling them, we're Nigeria. We're better, we're better than these guys. What are you afraid of? Go out there and play. And you're seeing this mentality. This is why I like talking to you because you played sports. So you know yeah. about mentality. Yeah, it, it's everything. It's everything. It's everything. A psychological mental is a huge deal. And it's everything. When if you, you when you have the right mentality, players will run through brick walls for you. If you don't believe that you belong, you might as well not even step on the field. Don't even show up. Don't don't come. Go back home. Just I don't go think back home. I don't think Roar infused the boards with the right mentality. And it's been that way for a long time. Been that way for a long time, and I don't Can know you? what happened because it all started well, and it seemed like. And I think what it is is initially, I think maybe this is what it is. When he took the job, no one expected anything from the Super Eagles. So maybe he had a job of propping them up, and then once they became good, he thought maybe I need to bring them down. But he's been on that path of bringing them down ever since. Never liked it. Yo, you know, you see, uh, can you imagine a meeting being held with NDD? HUK, some of these other guys that play, Ehenacho, all sitting down with Kanu, talking during dinner. You see what I'm saying? Like that kind of guy telling them that, yo, are you guys, what did they worry on ourselves? Go out there and play this game, play this ball. You know, that the level of confidence those guys will have. This is a guy they looked up to growing up. You see what I'm saying? Like, oh, JJ, come on now. That makes a difference, and that's why I, I I wanted to make a comment about those guys being around and backtracking on how that work with the Guavon. I could see how it could work now, you know, because because those guys would, would would immediately boost the confidence being around them all through this tournament. Yobo Yobo is on the on the coaching staff, you know what I mean. Um, so I mean that was a fantastic game they played. It, it was impressive. They just need to go out the second game, seal the qualification, close it up. Yeah. So yeah. So obviously, <laughs> Nigeria's um, performance again. If I had to rate it after the first, because today Mark, I believe marked the end of the first round of games, and by far, without a doubt, the, the standout team were the Super Eagles. Morocco, to me, they they looked they, they didn't even get out of first gear playing against Ghana, and yeah, they they Ghana just. Ghana were kind of toothless. Yes. You know? Yes. But they're not they're not a bad team, but they are what they are. You know, that's what yeah, yeah, yeah. it's almost like Ghana Gate showed them too much respect from the onset. Like Ghana, was, Ghana, Ghana tried though. In the second half, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they but did, they, but, but they didn't have anything. Like, think about it. Almost, it. Like Jordan Mayu, they're one of their strikers. He has he has one goal in his last like year and a half, damn near. Yeah. You know, so Ghana, uh, Ghana Andre plays in second division. Exactly. Um, so I mean, the, the the squad quality is not the Ghana that we know. You know the midfielders. We, 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 when they team. had when they had Asamoah Gyan and those guys, and those guys, uh, Solomon Tari. Uh, those guys uh, were, 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 were the Kevin were, Prince, Boateng. The, the they, that 2010 World Cup. They were monsters, yeah, and man. Yeah, a younger you know? version of Mubarak Wakaso. That guy. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Old now monsters. and he's still on the team. You know, the rest of the guys are not really doing anything. And I and I don't know what they're doing in Ghana because they have the players. Trust me, dude, they have the players. Right to Dream has sold more Ghanaian players than you can imagine. To it's a cycle, thing. you know. It's a cycle. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they have got, a golden have... generation, and the, after your golden generation, typically what happens is what's happening to them. You know, it, it could also be. Yeah, no, it could also be a function of recruiting. You know, yes, so if, if, you, if you look, had, they've also ahead, had a lot of internal turmoil. You know, internal turmoil. They've changed coaches a lot. The FA has uh, had a lot of scandals. These things matter, man. These these oh, things. Yeah. Matter. We we hell all yeah. love watching the game, but the reality is that the, the the product on the field is 
affected a lot by the administration and what goes on above the level of the players. Hundred percent, man. I I think you know, and that's something you're right. That's something a lot of people don't pay attention to, and that's why sometimes even in Nigeria I say stuff like, "Okay, you know, it's not you could hire, you could hire Jose Mourinho if you want. It's not him. It's the system. Like you know, the one thing I'll give Raw a lot of credit for, man, is Raw went out to recruit players. You and I know that he went out and he went. He got the true stackings. He got the. No, he um, didn't get true stackings. It was um, it was uh the other guy. Um, I think it was Stephen. No, it wasn't Keshi. It was either Siasia or Keshi that got true true stackings. Oh yeah, Siasia, Siasia, Siasia got true stackings. But he yeah. got the other guy. What's his name? Um, he didn't play last game, but um, he also went and got some of these other guys. Tyrone Bui was gotten by Keshi, that I do remember. Not Keshi. Tyrone Bui was gotten by Gunnar Roth. You're talking about Balogun was gotten by Keshi. Balogun was gotten by, yeah. So so you, you now start looking, but he went out and he went to recruit. He got Aribo, though. He got Joe Aribo. Yeah, the so younger guy, anybody that's young, definitely was gotten by Gunnar Roth. Not Gunnar not Roth. He will be was picked up by the previous administration. Yeah, he will be, he will be was there before. He will be, he will be, he will be was always going to play with us anyway. He will be was basically picked up by Okata. Yeah, no he, was, he, he was a done deal. <laughs> like, yeah, but right, but right. I think, yeah, I, I and I and I, you see that is like in the sense that, okay, you know, he did do a good job of trying to go out there to find guys. His, his best gift to us, though, I'll go keep up. So that's going to be the guy that I think when we look at Mad- it five, six, seven years from now, Maduka, And to, to me, that's actually, I mean, again, again, of course, I'm complaining about Raw, but let it, let's not make it seem like it was all negative. You know, Raw is just at the yeah. end, it got stale. There's no denying that. And so it's time for a change. It's just the manner in which we did it wasn't ideal. But hey, it might work out. Who knows? You fired him on the eve of a tournament. My dad tends. So that's how we do things. We we do things haphazardly, and sometimes it works. Most of the time, very very crude, (laughs) very crude. But but you know, hey, and here's the crazy thing: Aguavon coaches this team. So all things being equal, hopefully, I was just saying, Nigeria, by the grace of God, Aguavon wins this tournament. Then what? You That's replace, the million-dollar question, my brother. You, and this you replace, is where you, Pinnick, you, Yeah, Pinnick you're not replacing with the Portuguese coach. You know, and, and Nigerians, you and I know Nigerians will have a fit. Oh, no. Let's put it like this. If if Iguavon wins the tournament, well, first of all, it just wins. But play if we play as well as we've been playing, <laughs> yeah. and say we don't even win the tournament, we make it to the semifinals and lose and get, get our traditional bronze, or we make it to the finals and lose. Which honestly, if we if we got to the finals and lose, I wouldn't even be upset if we played wonderful. And I know people would crucify me for saying this, but hey, I'm I'm more about the performances right now because for me, more important to me is going to the World Cup. Afcon mm-hmm. is great. I want to to me, Afcon is a platform to prepare for our qualifiers in March. And I want us to win. Then don't get it twisted. Don't 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 you know make it seem like I don't. But I mean, say we, if somebody's better than us and beats us, I'm not going to be, I'm a competitor. I'll shake your hand and tell you good game. Because if you were better, when I put my best effort, I can't complain. I will tell you right now, we're not getting rid of Iguavon if that happens. Fans will burn down the secretary. <laughs> one of the things that I think, I think we, we're starting to realize is that the fans are starting to get a bigger voice. A voice yeah. is a little more because... Quite frankly, we fired Raw. We did. Now, we've been asking to fire him since before, but the once that debacle of Central African Republic, Liberia, and Cape Verde, those three back-to-back-to-back games that were just drab. Even, well, four of them. One of them we won, but it was still a drab performance. All right? We lost at home, so inexcusable. Then played a drab game 2-0 where it was only penalties we scored against Liberia. And then that match against Cape Verde where, what the hell is that? Why are we struggling to qualify for the ne- in this group? It was time to go. It was without a doubt. And so we finally, we caused Roar to get fired. And I think now what we have to do is consolidate on this momentum we have as fans to now demand the right thing. And look, 
I was, of course, in a few podcasts ago, I was one of the few people that was in support of Roar at the time. This is before the results started backfiring, right? And, hey, you know, but at this point, man, I think, screw it. Let's let's keep our guys in there. Keep our guys in there. Let's sink or swim with them at this point. You know, because I mean, they've, they've signed a contract with this guy, right? That's the thing. Well, because he's in the stands, he's in the stands watching the tournament. I hope the NFF was smart enough to put some insert some sort of something in there. I don't know. Because because I, I saw I saw an Arise uh, news interview where um, they asked him about Aguavo, and he said, "Well, you know, this guy, this coach is working. He's set to take over the team after the tournament. However, uh, Aguavo will remain on as a technical director." Okay. So. I have no idea. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, the guy's going to take over. It's set. You so, know, what they, if they, 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 they put they put their credibility out there? They've gone. They've talked to Jose Mourinho. Mourinho has recommended the guy. They've gone and they've approached him and they've brought him into Cameroon to sit down to watch all the games. It's a done deal. The question no, now. They announced it now. They announced that he's. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a done deal. What I'm saying is, it, it's an interesting conundrum, man. So, what if this interim coach wins the tournament? This is so what now, like, because I, all I'm saying is, when he if he wins the tournament, it would be off the back of this performance that we saw yesterday, right? That's number one. Number two, we it's it would be two months away from a critical home and away. That means the players respond to him. Now you're gonna bring in a new guy who's gonna come in and try to put new <laughs> tactics. We don't know. We we basically what we're saying is we if a Gorbon wins the tournament, we know what works. So yeah. you're gonna take what we know works and say let's tear it. Let's now NFF. They fucked up. Excuse my French. <laughs> but it all just tied into the fact that they fired Raw at the wrong time. And it, yeah. that's it's it's like a, a domino effect. When you make one bad decision, it leads you to try to like make other decisions to cover up for that bad decision, and it usually leads to more bad decisions. Especially when you have people that are doing don't know what they're doing, and that's what it seems like the situation is. It, it, Very it, interesting. But we, we, I'll be happy for you, Guavon, because you know what? He would give the NFF a good headache to have, and worst case scenario. If they choose not to hire him, his stock in African football would have just gone through the roof. And he could coach any team in the continent if he feels like it. He could be online to be the next Nigerian coach. He could stay on as a technical director. If it doesn't work out with this guy, he'll be quick to step in and become the, the man. Right? So it's either way, he doesn't lose. Um, yeah, Ravon, he can't come out of this losing at this no, point, the way no. this is setting up right now. No. What I'd like to see is more of those Nigerian coaches going to uh, coaching other African teams, though. In the Amunike did. Amunike yeah, but that's, that's fair, right? it's sparing. It's sparing me that that's happening. I would love to see some of these young, smaller team countries, instead of going to hire some sixth-division English coach, Higher Nigerian internationals who have the expertise and experience. So I like to see more about, but I think a lot of our guys don't step out of their comfort zone to go do that. You know, you know so, what? It, it, it comes down to the do coaches because a lot of guys when you when you play on a certain level, when you get done playing, you have the opportunity to coach. Now you have to go in and go through the rigors of becoming a coach, get the certification, spend time as an assistant work with some experienced coaches, get your, you know, kind of get your feet wet and understand how things work and kind of go through that process. A lot of guys don't go through that. They don't do that, man, because... Yeah, but we have enough guys that have done that. But what I'm saying is, think about from the 94 squad, we have Olise. He's, he's certified. I'm going to uh-huh. uh Edouard Vaughn. Adepoju. Uh, Adepoju. Uh, there's one more I'm missing. Somebody else I'm missing. But even if that's five, I mean, Jesus, five out of the squad are, are certified. That's. But if those aren't the only. But we're talking about guys that were players, so recognize them. But there are other guys, and that maybe didn't necessarily make it to that level. Oh yeah, there are other guys. There's a guy that was coaching in. Um, is it Albania or something? One amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he uh, was. He was. I forget his name. <clears throat> I had a uh, Nasiru. Uh, over here for who works at NFF and he was saying yeah he played with that guy. So that yeah, that guy was a national team goalkeeper at some point. Yeah, correct, correct. So uh, so that guy is what I'm yeah. saying is 
it's forget yeah of course the recognizable stars yeah but there are other sets of guys either before them or after them what i like to see is more nigerian coaches 100 percent other african countries or go into uh, other leagues and coaching yeah the only two people i know who've done is amunike and keshi oh and keshi and anyway oh and amokachi even amokachi yeah at least some so shoot that's at least seven we can name no it's going to happen we we need to but it comes when you let's say you have a hundred high quality coaches you've developed have gone out and gotten experience it's just a matter of time. You're going to have a bunch of guys starting to get exported. But if you don't develop, all these guys we named went out and did this on their own. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not like our federation 100% actively promotes this and takes a lot of guys because you have the brains. A lot of guys, uh, I've met a lot of coaches, smart guys, man. Guys who played football in a university in Nigeria, graduated, you know, that getting calf licenses or whatever. These are they know their stuff, but you need the support. A lot of these other countries, man, they have programs, they have support, they have trainings, they have institutions, they put it out, and a lot of their coaches end up rising through the ranks. And that's why you see like countries like Argentina exporting coaches. Look at like the guy that coaches at um what's the name of that club in EPL? First of all, look at Pochettino at PSG. Bielsa, Bielsa, Bielsa is Argentine. The list goes on and on. There's so many. No, they, they, they have it. They, I mean, but those yeah. guys, things work in those places. Yeah, and, and, the pro, and let's be honest, Argentina is not like a first world country. Though. You know, Argentina, you know, let's be honest. They're not. Argentina, you know, they had to beg IMF to cancel their debt. Argentina yeah, has... Where would you rather be? <laughs> Argentina or not? Well, let's be like this. Which people are traveling where Nigerians flocking to Argentina or Argentines flocking to Nigeria? No, Nigerians aren't going to Argentina, though. Because a lot of us, one, don't speak Spanish. And two, you know, Argentina is not a country on, on Brazil. I would get, I would say probably more Nigerians go to Brazil, but not Argentina. But I'm saying I guarantee you there's Nigerians there. Yeah, I, 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 I'm willing to bet they are because you know, of course we, they are. and he's saying yeah. Spanish, I Spanish yeah, but you know, but let's I, I think saying Spanish is it Portuguese that they're gonna learn? They, yeah, yeah, well, Argentina is not if you call like developed economies in the world, Argentina won't be in that list, you know. I mean, they're, they're more if you, if you if you if you're kind to them, you might put them in like I hate to use these terms, but like second world category, yeah, but, but they're not, yeah. They're not, Supposedly third world, like they put all the African. Yeah, you know, and 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 really, the, the whole third world thing is really our fault. That not that I want to get into all that right now, but we we if you look at it right, if we just said we're going to have our football federation organized and ensure that our coaches are developed, we'll surpass them. I promise you on everything, we'll surpass them. As a matter of fact, Argentina right now, the number one country for exporting players is Brazil. Second is Argentina, right? Mm-hmm. We get our act together. We'll, we'll, we'll surpass Argentina. I'm pretty certain about it. I'm surprised that we haven't. Really. Maybe not Brazil, but definitely Argentina. We're number one. Africa but... were number one for sure. Yeah. Anyways, man. Uh, so, yeah, so far so good on the AFCON. I want to see a better – I want to see more explosiveness in the tournament, personally. I want to see more, more attacking, more goals. Some of the games have been drab. And uh, quite frankly, the couple of things where, you know, a couple of times I talked about the minnows, I don't want to watch them. Yeah. Actually, the, the, the lower games have actually been a little bit more entertaining than I expected. Like, you know, I talked about that Gambia versus Mauritania game. It was actually quite entertaining. It, it was. Nice, but it was entertaining. But anyways, man, hopefully that uh, when the second round comes around, we'll see a much better performance. But um, I think we will. I think we yeah, will. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm and... on my last legs of uh, – the, the podcast for today but yeah i'm hoping that by the time we talk again which hopefully is you know after maybe the next match or the next couple of matches that um no this is afcon breakdown part one man of course we, we got we got three parts so you know once we get out of preliminaries then we'll do one for we'll chat uh, again and then we we have another one for you know yeah when we get to the final four yeah yeah so you know we're on good schedule right now so um it's been exciting, man. Listen, I'm I work because I'm I'm at my home a lot of times working, so a lot of times I'll be at home. I just have the TVs on, 
I'm like, yeah, this is what's up. <laughs> you, already, you already know that I'm watching all of them because I'm always updating you and everything. Yeah, yeah, no, you you stay you stay glued to the screen. But um, no, nah, no problem. Thanks, brother. Let's uh, run Armark, which is perfect. Let's connect again for part two. Uh, we'll probably connect after the preliminaries get done. Sounds good. Go Super Eagles. So for life, man, you know it. Yes, sir.